Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, the CNET podcast of indeterminate length. Willkommen. Um, what's going on with AOL? The prettiest uh, girl at the ball. Apparently, everyone wants a little piece of them. Yeah. Uh, we've got an article today in InfoWorld saying that Yahoo is now reportedly in talks to buy a stake of AOL. This on the heels of things we talked about last week involving Microsoft and Google in and talks Comcast. to buy a stake of AOL. Don't forget Comcast. <laughs> Don't forget. It's hard to remember everyone. But who, wait, you know what? I, I called my mom. Yeah. She's interested in buying a stake in AOL. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling like I'm interested in buying a steak in AOL. Or is that just a steak? Yeah, it you is probably are just wanting some meat. Um, but, uh, what yeah. do they want? That's what I don't, I kind of don't get what they want out of buying a stake in AOL. So I could understand if they want to buy AOL and then they would get all the AOL stuff like the website and the ISP business and the dwindling subscriber base and whatnot. But what do they get out of owning a little chunk of it? And if all three or four of them own a little chunk, isn't it just kind of a zero-sum game in terms of the traffic? Well, I think it's starting to become a little bit of a Me Too, Me Too thing. They quote Joe Wilcox of Jupiter Research in the InfoWorld article saying that at this point, the competition itself to get a stake of AOL is starting to become reason enough to join (laughs) into trying to buy a stake of AOL. So now that so many people are interested, I mean, AOL obviously can benefit from any of these people. Right. If they can get some sort of partnership going, oh, get yeah, a little get the cash part. infusion. Uh, I guess Microsoft could beef up its content for MSN. Google the same could beef, beef up its content mm-hmm. uh, offerings. Comcast certainly wants to beef up online content. They've got a great video offering, but they could partner and get some more, you know, so there could be some benefits there. And I guess right. Yahoo is just like, well, They're just in it for the, the we don't want revenue? Google or Microsoft to have a stake in AOL, so maybe <laughs> so we should buy it instead. I mean, that would be my layman's take on it. So it's not, so most likely it's not that each one of them plans to buy a stake. It's that they're each trying to beat each other out for the stake. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little curious how much of AOL is available to be split up yeah. and, and how many people could get a stake of them. <laughs> really? Seriously? Just making you hungry? Talk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That rumble you hear is my stake in AOL. Um, anyway, if you guys know what the deal is and why everybody wants a piece of AOL all of a sudden, if you if you could let us know, that'd be great. But uh, yeah, Jason Calcanis won't know who his boss is. That's true. Well, he will. It'll be AOL. But yes. you know, he may have all kinds of partners to choose from <laughs> for, his, for his weblog. Yes, thing. indeed. We will try to get someone on the show to explain to us why AOL is such a hot property right now and what all these all this stake buying might involve or Which, might lead to and uh, then we'll enter we'll talk, have molly talk about it again once she's eaten yeah <laughs> not a vegetarian molly um hey i love bill gates today <laughs> excuse me <laughs> i know it's kind of a weird feeling but me and bill gates are totally in sync today he uh was speaking to a group of students at princeton i read this on Engadget via hd beat and he said that he thinks that right now the blu-ray next generation dvd format is very anti-consumer well, he has he has taken a position against Blu-ray. Yes, because he's bought into HD DVD. Right? Yes, so it behooves him to make However, it sound like he's on the side of the consumer. It does indeed, and and history has not necessarily <laughs> suggested that Bill is on the side of the consumer. However, sixty-four K ought to be enough for anybody. In this case, I agree. <laughs> Don't be so snotty. Quote. In this case, Bill I Bill. agree. I think Blu-ray. In its current iteration and the way it's been headed in terms of more and more and more draconian DRM is actually anti-consumer. And then the other thing that he says, which I totally agree with him about, is that um, this will be basically the last 
physical storage format ever. Now, that's where I really get into the 64K ought to be enough for anyone because <laughs> Bill's been wrong before. Yes. And uh, to say that's the last physical storage format, I mean, does he mean removable storage? What about, I mean, there's always going to be a need for portable storage, USB or hard drive. Yes. He's just, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if he just means that this is the last sort of DVD, ba- the last sort of mega storage, storage format, you know? There'll always be something bigger. Well, no, there will, but there will also eventually be streaming and there will be network stored content and there will be mm-hmm. downloadable content as opposed to, you know, the need to like just have a TV show or or high definition video on a DVD. I, I think what he's saying is that stuff in the future will be downloaded and or streamed. I, I see your point, but it smacks a little bit of uh, television's going to kill the movies to me. Yeah, like I mean, there's always... I think people will always want a way to store their stuff and there will always be better ways to store Yes, it. but what I think... What I have argued in the past, and I think what he's arguing, is that in the future, you'll just store it on a drive, a hard drive. You won't need a DVD anymore because you'll just, you'll get the content. I, I think that uh-huh. it's the physical format as the distribution method that is on its way out. You will get the content online. You'll download it. You'll stream it. You'll whatever. And then when you're storing it, maybe you'll burn it to DVD. But more likely, because you'll have a networked hard drive and you'll have a network DVD player and you'll have a network home media center you will just stream it from your hard drive to wherever you want to view it that i can see especially if you get ubiquitous devices that that are all thin client right we've talked about before where it's a matter of you're carrying the form factor not the device's functionality it's getting its functionality even from everywhere why would you need something to store in it yeah but for security's sake you'll always have some sort of physical off-site storage just so you can have something that's not networked couldn't you have some online off-site storage yeah but then it's not in your house well, no, but presume if you're if you're really secure, your physical offsite storage shouldn't be in your house either. Well, you should have both. You should have one in a piece of Tupperware in your house <laughs> so that it doesn't get flooded, and then you have another one off offsite so it can't burn up. But you know, there are things that people don't want to store in the hands of other people. They yes, want to be able to store them themselves. Well, I think that's the biggest argument. It's not the argument that people are going to want to back up securely because we know that people are not doing that. Well, they want to, but they should, but they <laughs> exactly. don't. But they don't. Nor will they realistically. Anyway. This argument's gotten a little out of hand pretty quickly. <laughs> it's not an argument. It's just a discussion. <laughs> After the podcast, it'll be an argument. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll sit in glare at each other That for thing you said minutes. is total crap. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. Oregon. Oregon. I love this story. I think this is so interesting. Oregon. So this guy, refreshed me on the details, he created a 700 square mile Wi-Fi hotspot, mm-hmm. apparently because Kind of no one else wanted to. Yeah, I saw this on Slashdot, and it's also on Wired, but this is in the rural areas where people, this is a big problem. People yep. who live outside of cities often are too far from the Clex to get DSL. They often are not offered cable modem mm-hmm. subscriptions, and the only other option they'll have is direct way or some kind of satellite-based, uh, which is extremely expensive right. for a lot of people. Uh, so this guy, Bob Hale, uh Parked alongside his onion fields, prop open a laptop and reads his email out in the middle of the crops, <laughs> thanks to this this WiMAX and Wi-Fi right. uh, combo. And there is a, a gentleman that I, I met uh, <clears throat> when I was back in southern Illinois. Uh, my sister lives out on a farm who's doing the same kind of thing. Right. He's trying to provide Wi-Fi across large areas. So this was a $5 million privately funded venture. That's what it says. And I guess the hope is that they'll then be able to resell that service to those farmers. And to I mean, there are probably large agribusinesses located there that can't get internet and and could they could probably charge a lot. 
And the, and the problem is really just of coverage. I mm-hmm. mean, you don't have a huge bandwidth problem here because the, the population is sparser right. and the needs are, are, are less. When you're talking about covering a city like Philadelphia or San Francisco, her right. trying to do the same thing, then you've got huge amounts of people. You've got a bandwidth issue well, and you've got a secure, you know, you have different security issues. And more importantly, in those cases, and that's what the, is so interesting about this, in those cases, then you have the companies who want to be providing their own service fighting back. Mm-hmm. So in rural Oregon, because nobody wants to provide service to rural areas, you don't have any companies getting in the way saying, you know, you don't have your Verizon saying, no way can you set up your own wireless hotspot. Yeah, which Philadelphia has fought blazed the trail on that battle of trying to fight against those. I haven't heard too much of the resistance in San Francisco. No, the I San haven't San Francisco's either. plan, it seems more about who's scrambling to get the contract. Right. Well, I'm sure once the contract is in hand, maybe then the, the squabbling will start. Who knows? But I was thinking about this on the way to work today because my DSL was out overnight. Mm. And How did the you internet is not at the level of a utility yet. Oh, no, not at all. And I'm not saying the solution is to it's hand it over to government. It's not guarantee. But yeah, I mean, you are, you are not, I mean, when you go without electricity, it makes news. When you go without internet, yep. <laughs> nobody notices. Yep. Yeah. No, and it's insane that we have this huge last mile problem still in America where, yes, there are giant swaths of rural areas, but these companies who are fighting so hard against municipal hotspots in cities aren't even trying in some cases yeah, they don't to see extend the, service out they there. They don't see the business benefit. They're missing something. Yeah. Well, and just because there aren't a lot of people there now doesn't mean there won't be a lot of people there eventually. Well, that's true. Uh, that is also true. Uh, I mean, your your amount of people is expected by 2050 to be 9 billion. Yeah. And that's a, that's a conservative estimate. We're going to fill up those spaces and you need to get your internet out there. I mean, you won't cover or, every single... Or acre, private but. businessmen will do it for you. And then by the time, you, you know, by the time Verizon gets its butt to rural Oregon, they're too late. They're locked out. Speaking of too late Which and I locked think out, is cool. Palm yeah. and Rim... Oh, collaborating yeah. on Trio software. Yeah, this is pretty weird. There's some weird implications <laughs> here. I mean, two companies that are sort of grasping at straws on where to go next. Yes. It seems like Palm is just kind of entertaining all visitors. Yeah. Really. Like Windows? Sure. <laughs> Microsoft? Rim? Absolutely. You Rim. Bet. Now, who? Okay. <laughs> if you could have the Palm operating system on your Trio or even Windows Mobile on your Trio, why on earth would you ever choose to have BlackBerry Connect instead. Well, the, the, they've signed a deal for RIM's email software to be used on the Trio 650. And I guess part of the reason is because there are so such devotees to that right. system. But I wonder if that would mean, and this I just, I literally just don't know. Would that mean that you could get, you would still have the, the underlying operating system, but then you would just get the RIM version of mail pushed to you? I mean, I guess that's how it works on my Trio now. I have good. And so I get the good link email. So it's not like it would replace your Yeah, my understanding here is, interface, that, right? is that it would run on Palm yeah. soft, on okay. Palm's OS. So it's not replacing the OS. It's well, just an application. I think that makes sense because it does currently support good. So it, may, it would make sense if they could offer BlackBerry Connect, but not exclusively. I would hate it if it meant that I couldn't use good anymore. It'll show up as an option on Palm's VersaMail email client. Mm. That's that's BlackBerry Connect. Will oh, be, yeah. It'll so be you option. could still use Exchange. You could still use IBM Lotus Domino. Mm-hmm. You could still, oh, well, that, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, now you get I it. mean, a lot of corporations use we use BlackBerry. Come on. CNET is one of them. CNET is no, no longer one of them, actually. CNET oh, really? switched to good. Because, uh, and this is very interesting, actually, now this all makes sense. CNET switched over to good and the good link software because all our executives wanted Trios. And now they could. And now they could have switched used, back. I know. Interesting. 
because RIM is one of the best at what they do software-wise. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're suffering on the hardware side. So this is the last gasp attempt by them Yeah. in case they, they totally do get locked out of their hardware. <laughs> right, uh, due to all those patent lawsuits, mm-hmm. in case you're not aware of that. We need a little on. patent reform. Yes, we do. <laughs> a little. All right. We got any uh, good emails that you saw? I saw one from uh, J.E., what did J.E. It says J.D. Say? in your email address, but you signed it J.E., so I'm a little hmm. confused. But uh, he updated his PSP to the latest version of the OS. After the update, his MP4 files that played before without any problem now don't work. Dun, dun, dun. Unsupported data is the message he got. That's so, wonderful. And he's saying, look, I don't really care about the homebrew stuff that has other people up in arms about the firmware updates, but when yeah. it's marketed as a portable movie player in addition to a gaming device, and then suddenly that capability is disabled with yep. a firmware upgrade... Yep. That is really low, quoth J.E. And I agree. It is really low, but really? Does this come as any surprise? It's Sony. It's overcompensation on their part. That's I what mean, they do. They're, they're proprietary. They don't like think people messing with their things. I mean, to me, that's just typical Sony behavior and one of the reasons that I personally would shy away from a PSP. Yeah. Um, we, we also got another interesting email about iTunes. Now, I, this I'm kind of looking for more feedback. It's from uh, MP Feast. <laughs> saying that iTunes 6 has some major problems. And there are a lot of uh, comments on the Apple discussion boards about multiple error messages, particularly when they're trying to download songs and albums. And the, uh, the, the emailer says, perhaps Apple should run a beta version of iTunes before these releases or they are rushing things. You know, well, of course I, they're rushing I things. I haven't had any problems with it. I've upgraded. But then I don't purchase tunes from the iTunes music store. So right. I should probably go find one of the like free songs of the day and try downloading that, see if it... I get any of these problems. But yeah, yeah, this I've, is definitely not the first time that I've heard um, people say they've had tr- trouble downloading songs under iTunes 6. And we're going to see iTunes 6.1 probably, what, two weeks? Tops? Mm, most likely. Yep. At this rate. Because this is Along what happened with, the new with 5. IPod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did but you no, hear this? But no, this is what happened with, with 5. And there was a, at least Apple in that case did acknowledge the problem and there was an update soon after. So possibly that will happen again. Yes. Keep your complaining. So come on, send it to us, buzz at CNET.com, or give us a call, 1-800-616-CNET. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.